coming to you from the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains, Denver, Colorado. It's the Savage Cast, a Savage Worlds podcast brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Savages. Here are your hosts, Chris Savage Mommy Fox and Christopher Savage Bull Landauer. Welcome to episode five of the Savage Cast. What makes Savage Worlds fast? Furious and fun. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Savage Mommy Fox. And I'm your other host, Christopher Savage Bull Landauer. So, Chris, how are things going? Good, good. We've got a jam-packed show today. We do. We have a really busy show today. So, uh, let's not waste too much time. We'll get right into the show. So, the first thing we're going to talk about is some news from around the Savage Sphere. And the first one, boy, I'm really happy you were going to let me talk about this one. Uh, that's sarcasm, if, in case anybody didn't know. Uh, there's a, a uh, Deadlands audio drama that has just been released. It's out on Peg's website. This is from the folks at Audio Avatar, and it's called, ready, wait for it, Tombstone Tales, The Taxidermist's Tale. Say that ten times fast. It's, again, an audio drama based on an adaptation of The Taxidermist's Tale One Sheet. That is available on Peg's website. I got through it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm really impressed that the um, we're having this kind of explosion of ancillary content for Savage Worlds. I mean, an audio drama. That's yeah. That's I am, cool uh, thing to, didn't to have, have a chance to listen to it today, but uh, that's that's on my list of uh, things to listen to tomorrow. Uh, the other thing uh, that I found out there that that got me pretty excited because it's for a really cool setting is the folks at Grammel have released. Another new adventure for their Tropicana setting called Die Fast. That's on RPG Now. Uh, if you guys don't know what Tropicana is, Tropicana is Miami Vice. Scarface. Scarface. Uh... Magnum PI. It's it's all these kinds of things, all set on a tropical island. Very very cool setting. Uh, I can't wait to run it. Don't know when I'm gonna have time, but I think Tropicana suits itself to con games. Oh yeah, I think it'll make a there. great one shot. Oh yeah, well, well yeah, either one shot or hey, even a future theme for one of our conventions because I mean I've got this gigantic like Mesoamerican death temple and then another like sun temple and any excuse if you put in as many hours as it took to make these things. Things, to whip those out, the uh, so you know whether it's like sacrificing ancient virgins or you know throwing your enemies down the stairs or bringing them into like the eighties, yeah, drug um, runners and doing drug runners in the jungle, all kinds of stuff. I mean, that would you know guerrilla warfare, all those types of things. So um, go check that out uh, again. That's on RPG Now and Drive Through RPG. The, yeah. So speaking of Drive Through RPG, the biggest wallet buster release for Savage Worlds ever. I think. I haven't seen anyone. I haven't seen one bigger. Yeah, it has just been released by Triple A's Games. It is for the Hellfrost setting, which is a very cool setting. They're calling it the Atlas of the Frozen North. And this puppy, if you want the hardcover premium print, is just under $100. $99 for the hardcover. And uh, the PDF by itself is $49.99. So one penny less than 50 bucks. Get them both together, $119. So what they're offering for this one busting price is a um, an atlas that covers Rassilon, which is an, an, a land that's located immediately below Hellfrost. It's an ancient land scarred by war, we 
whether in time and over the countless millennia it's hidden its many secrets from you. Well, now you can buy those secrets. That's right. So they've pieced together ancient scrolls, fragments, and tomes written long ago by learned scholars and cartographers. And now uh, you can buy this and unlock those secrets, discover the realm of Rassilon, and play it for your homebrew. So the uh, yeah, this is this is kind of massive. I mean, Savage Worlds is the system where you can you can get in for ten bucks, and it's a big book. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is a big a big book. Um, Triple Ace Games always puts up quality products. I so love their stuff. You're not paying that for a 90 page book. You're probably getting two, three hundred page book. It's going to be full color. It's going to be high quality. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure that somebody in my Sunday gaming group didn't already have their hard uh, back copy of this. I'm trying to remember. I, I rem think I remember that he brought it out and showed it to us. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure it was this one. Nice. The uh, Well, so yeah, so all of you out there, if you're rich or if you screwed up on your all year and gave the government too much money and you finally get some cash back for your tax return, and, and mind you, there are some other big Kickstarters coming up, um, so you know, maybe I want to save some of that. But if, you, if you're flush with cash, um, definitely pick this up and if you do, use our link. So if you use our link um, from the blog post, um, we'll get a little kickback that costs you nothing. And uh, perhaps it'll be just enough money to purchase this next item on our list. The uh, Fainting Goat Games uh, comes out, came out with a Miscreants, Malefactors, and Megalomaniacs volume due. And so the first one, they already had a Miscreants, Malefactors, and Megalomaniacs, um, was so well received by the Savage community, they decided to launch a second volume. And this one is focused on super-powered Savage Worlds games. So MM2 contains a 13 bad guys, thugs, supervillains, and misunderstood anti-heroes to add some fun to your next supers or icons or any other super-powered Savage Worlds games, and um, that one is definitely not a wallet buster. No. Now, I think when I looked this up today, I think it was under $5. So, if you are if you want quick uh, villains and thugs and things that you can just pull, have at, have at your fingertips for your Supers game, uh, not a bad purchase at all. So, speaking of money to throw around, um, on the crowdfunding news, the uh, we might get this out before it's over, but probably not. The uh, uh, Olympus Inc. is in its last days of um, funding on the Indiegogo platform, and then the Monster Behemoth news. Which the, nobody cares about. Nobody, yeah. Nobody's going to spend any money on it. Not even going to happen is the Rifts Kickstarter begins April 26th at noon Eastern time in case you just can't be anything but one of the first people to plunk out some cash uh, on what I think is going to be the biggest Savage Worlds release oh, Kickstarter yeah. oh, today. Oh yeah, it'll be the biggest one they've done so far. I put a post out on the Facebook Savage Worlds official page and on the G Plus official page just throwing out there to people, hey, what do you think Savage Rifts can make and I said, do you think it'll make 200,000? Do you think it can make half a million? And I had a few people say they think that it can pull numbers like 7th C. Wow. And 7th C pulled over a million dollars. I would say, I don't know, and I may be way high or way low, but I was thinking maybe 300 grand. Yeah, so a nice house in the suburbs. Yeah, 300 grand would be a, a, a nice number. I would, if Shane and, if Shane and the guys at Peg, Sean, Ross, all the guys who've worked on this and... 
put their blood, sweat, and tears into it. If this they can pull seven C numbers, that's awesome. Oh yeah, and good luck to them. I mean, we've we've played in it. We've seen some of the materials. Uh, I I don't see any reason it won't be as successful as it can be. I mean, yeah, no, I and it it will fund within hours. Oh yeah, if not an hour or Probably. or shorter. Yeah, because I think I think they're doing the smart thing again, where almost everything is already done. They're just putting the final polish on things, and the Kickstarter is really to. To, you know, be able to bring it to market. Right, get that print run, get it, yeah. And like I said, I, I've, I've mentioned this before, is that my guess would be that um, uh, you'll have your PDFs as soon as it closes, within a couple days, yeah. not like right away. Within two or three days of that closing, you will have your PDFs in your hands to start running a Rifts game. Yeah, so that's I really exciting. I've got to finish. I've got to get my, my Deadlands game and my last Parsec game. Well, and 50 Fathoms. I'm run Those are the three I'm running right now. i got to get those done. Because my plan is, is to take all of these groups, all three groups, and get these done and start running Rifts for all three groups. Nice. So that I'm only running one game. I only have to think about one one thing and start it. So I, I've got some work to do to get these yeah. other games done. I'm kind of worried for some of the players in your game. I mean, I, I know maybe some of them actually listen because they love hearing your melodic voice. Oh, yeah. Think it enough. But um, I, I'm wondering if this might be a little uh, metagaming for the fact that, you know, your characters might die, folks. Or, you know. Yeah, yeah. When I say, when I say I'm going to finish... My, those those, those plot points. Him. I'm gonna finish those plot points. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you all, you're all out in space, and oh, and you've had a breach. Ooh, <laughs> oh, and somebody stole all your space suits. Well, you're dead. Tough luck, you're dead. Guess what? We're starting in two weeks. <laughs> we're all new characters. Uh, so another Kickstarter that I that I just found very very interested in this one is called Noisy Person Cards or NPC. This is from the folks behind. The One Shot and Campaign Podcast, James D'Amato and Kat. Awesome. I'm sorry, Kat, I don't remember your last name. Uh, she needs no last name. They've got some great podcasts out there. Go give a listen to One Shot. Go give a listen to Campaign. But what this is, is this is a party game uh, in the same vein as Apples to Apples and with basically the same card mechanic as Cards Against Humanity. And what this is for is it's to it's specifically designed to help you develop new character voices for role-playing games. So it's a party game for role players to improve their role playing. Ah, craziness. I don't know how that, I, they came up with this. What a great idea. Uh, so give you a little example uh, and talk a little bit about it from, from their video. So what happens is you have a judge just like in Apples to Apples and he has a card with a character on it. And for example, a cobalt. And then everybody around the table has five white cards that all have a saying on it. And they have to pick the saying and then they have to read that saying in the voice of that cobalt. Ain't nothing but a Oh, no. Yeah, and then the judge picks the best one. Well, let's say that I don't have any. I I've got a bunch of cards. I'm like, ah, this is. I got crap in my hand. Well, the bottom of each card has an adjective: happy, sad, maniacal, whatever. Something to, uh, a dis nice description. You can put that description down. And that will, and then everybody else has to now use that descriptor to say their quote in the Cobalt voice. Nice. Maniacal Cobalt is like a good name for a rock band. Uh, I have a friend who played bass for them in high school. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. So yeah, what a great idea. Yeah, it sounds like a really nice way for, if you want to start encouraging more active theatrical
cool role playing um, as a GM, you can play this before some of your your gaming sessions and get your your players into the ethic and mode of speaking in character, using you know, whether it's accents or voices or or just even just, you know voice patterns. Um, it might yeah. be a fun way to just kind of you know up your game as a home game. And really good is really good for a GM. Yeah. yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, the GM's, like, life is hard. I mean, not only are you, like, you know, finding what to run, writing your own ventures, you know, making these characters, then, like, characterizing them. And I, I'm in awe of GMs who really get in and have the, the enough pre-planning or just the extemp skills to do that on the fly. Like, um, at this last convention, Neil Hyde um, was running a game, and um, we were in the South Pacific, and it was it was set in the, uh, it was kind of a, a takeoff or a sequel to the, um, the, not Godzilla. What's the big ape where for cute beauty killed the beast? King Kong. King Kong. Oh, yes. Yeah, the big the, ape. The, the brain ain't what it used to be. So it was kind of a King Kong knockoff. And he did this wonderful, like, you know, Jersey accent um, uh, film producer who was pitching, you know, on what the uh, what the film was going to be. And uh, it was just, you know, he just did it spontaneously. And it was amazing. I was like, oh, God, you're just a great GM. So, but, yeah, this would be a cool yeah, way. Yeah, I think it would, it would really help me because a lot of times I'll make a I'll, I'll be do talking doing an NPC and it'll be a female NPC I'll make the joke yeah she sounds a lot like me <laughs> yeah yeah her voice dropped when she was 12 too yeah <laughs> poor lady the um so speaking of voice dropping I don't know why um our good friends <laughs> over at the wild die podcast well, that, that was kind of that was, that was a really weird yeah that was a non sequitur segue kind of a way to get to this yeah. but uh hey guys I'm glad your voices dropped <laughs> yeah d- don't 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 question this just, just go with it. Just, just, just let it happen. Um, <laughs> so the guys with the Wild Eye podcast are going to get their own local convention started in California. They are calling it the Conclave Gaming Convention, and uh, their Kickstarter starts May first. So if you guys are in California or want to travel to California to hang out with the awesome guys of the Wild Eye podcast, who I think we are going to do a crossover episode sometime in the future. Um, the, yeah, guys, uh, let us know. We we'd love to do one with you. Yeah. The uh, Check it out. We'll, uh, the link is on our post and help them out get their convention started. Um, that's definitely a a passion along our own hearts on getting conventions started in, in your local area. Yeah, and starting conventions can be it's not an easy thing. So help them out. They've they've got some work ahead of them. Yeah, but they're awesome. And uh, so hopefully their their new Conclave Gaming Convention will be awesome. Um, not to be confused with Denver's own Conclave of Gamers, which is actually going to go on this weekend. Um, and another friend of the show, Chris Sneezak from the Misdirected Mark podcast. His local convention is the Queen City Conquest in Buffalo, New York. Notice how many of these conventions have con in them, you know, con city, Queen City Conquest and con, play with gaming, or Genghis Con or Tactic Con. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're a very creative bunch with our language here in the role-playing, get-together community thing. So um, check out the Queen City Conquest Kickstarter. Um, that's been going on for several years, um, so I'm glad they're still going. And if you want to go and meet Chris, uh, the other wonderful people in Buffalo, New York, um, check out that Kickstarter, I think. Yeah, I, I, Chris can be heard on the Misdirected Mark podcast along with Phil Vecchione. Love, love, those, love those guys. They are both awesome. Yes. So I think we survived what was the Alliteration Nation 
intro. We had Deadlands drama, audio avatar, Tombstone Tales, the Taxidermist Tale, the <laughs> MMM, Miscreants, Malefactors, Megalomaniacs. Um, and then uh, yeah, so we oh, and, and then of course our show yeah is the so. Fast Furious Fun. Yeah, so uh, as always, after a short musical interlude, uh, we are gonna riff a bit on what we think makes Savage Worlds fast, furious, and fun. So we are back with what makes Savage Worlds FFF. The, uh, let's kick it off with the fast. I think Savage Worlds is one of the fastest playing role playing. Oh, by far. By far. I don't know. People might think of other ones that are faster, but I can't. Off the top of my head, can't really think of any. Yeah, I can't. It's one of the reasons why I went to it. It's one of the reasons why I went to Savage Worlds, one of many, after listening to a few podcasts that were talking about it. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where it's, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about all the elements, but I think it's kind of a balance between um, rules light and rules heavy, um, certain elements that that add time to the game aren't there, and uh, even games that are real freeform, I think, like rulesless games or real freeform, can, can drag down because you aren't reined in by the rules. So uh, it's not just that it's rules light. It's not just uh, some of the other elements. I think kind of all in combination um, are what make it such a fast game. So my first... Well, uh, real quick, before we move on, that, what I've always said is, I've said this multiple times, is to me, Savage Worlds is elegantly simple. Absolutely. That's the way I think. Yeah, it's kind of like when you've got, I don't know, like in nature, I mean, the all these crazy things are happening, but there's the amazing part about the natural world is so many or all of it can condense down into these rather simple, elegant, beautiful mathematical equations. And, you know, the, the equations kind of belie the craziness we see, but when you kind of shrink things down to the, the elements, I think Savage Worlds kind of does that. So my first uh, nomination for why it's fast is card initiative. I love the card initiative. I see a lot of people out there who who say, well, that's that's the one thing that, that I don't like. That's the one thing my group doesn't like. Uh, is there a, another way we can do that? And I always think to myself, have you tried it yet? Are you saying that because it's not rolling a d20? Or it's not a fixed number. It's not a fixed character number. character has every single time. It's every round changes. But it's so quick because as a GM, I can look around the table and boom, ace to two. I start my countdown, ace to two, and I just roll through it. It just it's one of the best things about the game, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think it comes in faster than rolling dice because one, anytime you ever roll dice, you have people rolling dice off the table. You know, it's whether are they going to read you the value? Does the GM have to read the value? Other players might not necessarily be able to see what values on the dice. So when you actually have the cards being dealt, it takes the time to deal the cards, but that's relatively quick. And then everyone can see the 
numbers. They know when they're, they're going themselves. They don't have to ask you or ask the other players. And then I think it's also faster than fixed initiative, kind of something like GURPS, where you've got, you know, your your score and you're, you're kind of in a, the same loop over and over again, is that e even though if you've got a, a fixed initiative, it might be the same and that might be comfortable, when you're dealing the cards, people are still paying attention. And I think a lot of times in, like, my um, uh, GURPS games, the people zone out when it's not their turn. And then, like, oh, well, what number are we on? Whereas um, when you actually have the deal, you keep the players involved in paying attention to the initiative. So I think that's why you do, yeah. initiative is fast. Very much so. And I've got more to say about cards later. Um, but but fast-wise with initiative, I think I think that's great. Um, but So other card things we'll talk about in a minute. Second, uh, second reason is fast is for the vast majority of roles, you're looking at a target number of four. Um, this makes things very simple to learn, and most players understand what they have to do when they're rolling, so they can help the GM run. And uh, you know, the only kind of real exceptions to this target are, you know, when you're dealing with parry um, and hand to hand, um, when you've got damage, you're going against their toughness, and then the rare occasion where you've got opposed roles. But other than that, I mean, a target number of four is where you're at for most simple successes. Yeah, but even making those rolls is pretty darn quick. If I'm making an opposed agility roll, let's say that I'm I'm my character is grappling another character and it comes to that person's turn, they want to try to break free, we make a quick opposed roll. Having the attribute dice and the wild die, it's still to me, it's pretty darn fast, even if your target number isn't but isn't four. And it's easy math. Yeah. It really is easy math. It, you, uh, you know, I I've sometimes the the, the roll versus toughness for a while there it was it was kind of taking me a little bit of time to do that but then somebody said Chris take the toughness minus, minus take your roll minus the toughness divide by four yeah it's that quick also if you go out there go Google wheel of raises that's a very nice cool the wheel tool. of raises is a really cool little tool that's even faster if you're uh, math adverse um, or sometimes just can't do math like me, um, I've pulled out that wheel of raises and I just use that. Yeah, very, very handy little tool. And uh, and even, the, yeah, and, and opposed roles are fun. I mean, again, they do take a little more time. Uh, but again, it's, it's not excessive. There's there's rarely, you know, roll-offs where it's roll, 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 roll. And you, you know, for a simple little action to get determined, you're making a dozen rolls. So um, I think that itself is another reason it's fast. There's minimal opposed die rolls. Um, and we get this because, one, there's no active defense. Um, you know, the defense is, is fixed. And then, in general, the GM rarely has to roll against the player. You know, when you've got an NPC, you've got stats for that NPC, and, um, you know, it's not all the time where the GM is rolling every single time against players trying to do something. It's, you know, there's fixed targets, minimum rolls, and the GM doesn't have to stop the flow of their game to pick up dice a, a lot. Right, yeah, I agree. Uh, this next one is a, is, is a biggie. Um, the whole up, down, and off the table for mooks. So easy. love that so much better than hit points, in my opinion. Yeah, and it, it, it helps. I mean, to me, there's kind of a question in other games that do hit points and they're an attrition system on how do you interpret that? Like, are you hacking away at the dragon or is everything, all the hits that did happen and the misses beforehand just not fatal? Or when you get it you know, below the last hit point before it's unconscious or killed, well, that was an amazing one 
one little thing, and then in the movie of that, that one character gets all the glory. Yeah, those those questions always irked me because there's not a really great answer yeah, it for doesn't, it. Doesn't in in those attrition based systems? That's the biggest thing. Is it nothing matters that you do until that final hit? Yeah. Not a damn thing makes a bit of difference. I've got 150 hit points. I'm going to whack at this thing, whack at this thing, whack at this thing. It's going to whack at me, whack at me, whack at me. That final hit is the only thing that matters. In Savage Worlds, up, down, off the table. It's quick. I can take mooks out by the bucket loads. Um, I think it's faster. I don't. We don't have this in here, but it's faster because you don't have hit points. Okay. You have three wounds as a wild card and uh, as uh, a wild card NPC. Everybody's got three wounds. One hit can take you out. You know, extras. You can you can do henchmen where you give them no wild die and you can give them one wound, but still the overall effect of it is that it just flat out speeds things up. Yeah, and, and especially for, I mean, I, I like Theater of the Mind. I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of maps and terrain. I, I just like doing it. It's kind of, you know, it's playing dollies, but it's fun. And, um, you know, for moves and even for, I mean, you know, uh, wildcard characters, the up, down, off the table is a really great way of being able to use a lot of your miniatures, have a lot of stuff on the table. You don't need them, but they don't clog up. There's not a lot of record, record bookkeeping. You can, you know, right. if, if the character's standing, it's ready to go. If it's down, you know, it's down and you've got one more hit on it, or if it's off the table, it's done. And and obviously, you, know, you, you can leave markers if there's important guns or other items people might want to go you know, get at, but it, it's so easy for the record keeping. You don't have to worry about tracking with your pen, and you can have a dozen zombies and not slow your game down, not make it any appreciably harder to GM. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that makes it fast for all the ancillary stuff that in other systems could really slow them down. All right. Next one is another biggie. Bennies. Bennies! Bennies. I love the Benny mechanic. And Bennies are not extra hit points, damn it. You see that all the time. The, uh, yeah, I, I think most in con games, I think people are, are a little more willing to let their characters go. Um, so yeah, I run mostly cons, not as much as the home games. But the and Benny's feature, I mean, since they are one of the key functions, features, um, mechanics within Savage Worlds, they feature in the fast, in the furious, and in the fun. But as far as keeping it fast, um, I think Benny's make the game faster because they lead to more successes. So it, the goals that you need to accomplish to advance the plot or the characters want to accomplish um, makes combat take fewer rounds because they can choose to spend bennies to get their success. So, um, you know, and in other games, like, if you have to, if things are difficult, um, and you, you know you fail, and you have to wait for another turn to try to have a success. Um, spending a Benny makes things happen potentially this round versus next round. And uh, I, I compare that to GURPS, where you know when you get really high level GURPS characters, we're going against other really high level GURPS characters. Your attacks are really good, but their defenses are really good. And so you have this hit, no, you know hit, no. I rolled a block it, hit, no. And so I mean GURPS tries to make up with this with a mechanic called deceptive attack where you basically take a minus two from your attack and then the defender gets a minus 
minus one from their defense. And that generally models, you know, the attacks are generally kind of twice as high as your defense numbers um, at any given skill level. So that kind of tries to make the game go faster without skewing the ratio of success. So instead of having to have, you know, 10 successful hits and nine successful, you know, um, misses, uh, it, you know, it, it brings it back down to like, you know, uh, you know, or 10 and 2, 5 and 1, or whatever. Um, Savage Worlds doesn't need that. You just spend a Benny and you get your success this round. You get it now. Right. And you can move on to more other fun stuff. Yeah, and it's not it's not guaranteed. Not a guaranteed success. But you have that opportunity and you have that option to use that Benny and it's just it's just going to speed things up. The um, the next reason I think Savage Worlds is a fast system is that your traits, so your skills and your attributes, they're denoted as die value. So you know, and you use your die to represent them, and it's just a very kind of it, it removes some of the gradients um, of skill levels. But again, I don't think it takes away from the ability of the game to model lots of different wonderful situations. So because everything is denoted in die values, uh, it makes those things easy. So instead of being like in another system, like oh my my lock picking is a sixteen, and I'm rolling three d six, or I'm rolling a d twenty, or my lock picking is a 15 and I'm rolling, you know, 3d6 or 2d6, 1d6 or d20 or a d30, whatever whatever game you're playing, you don't have to worry about, you know, a lot of extra math and comparing. It's, I make a trait roll, hey, boom, my trait is a d6, I roll a d6 looking for a 4. Um, yeah. it, it just makes so many of the things more straightforward, more easy, and easy to denote on the character sheet, too. So Yeah, um, and that's another thing that, when I was coming into Savage Worlds, that I found extremely interesting. Uh, the one that I put on here, one of the ones I put on here that I really liked is uh, GM Prep. GM Prep can be really, really quick, and for that, what I'm talking about there for fast, I'm talking about making NPCs. If you're making NPCs and you're making just like MOOCs, let's let's go with those guys to to for our example to really show how to speed things up. Is you don't want to worry about and and for wildcard NPCs, you don't want to use the character creation rules. You give them what they need. So if you're at the table and suddenly you need a, an NPC MOOC. Think about what he does. What does he do? What is his or her reason for being there? Give them a D6 in most things and give them a D8 in what they're best at and move on. You can do the same thing with, with monsters. If you need to make up a monster real quick, give them D6 in most things, give them a D8. And then what I would say is, is have some ideas of the, of the monster abilities. Toss one of those monstrous abilities on it and go. Um, if you want to be even faster, cast of cards. Oh, yeah. Get cast of cards. Use those cards. Use something that looks like what you want and reskin it on the fly. So easy to do. That's something that I wasn't really that good at when I started because I didn't really, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be creating these with without using the character creation rules. So I would spend all this time and finally somebody said, no, D6, D8 and what they're good at, go. And so I'm much, much better now at just making things up on the fly than oh, yeah. I ever was before when I first started playing Savage Worlds. 
Yeah, and, and you know, likewise for on the other side of the table, for character creation, once you learn it, and it's not that hard to learn, it's so fast to create character. It is. You know, I mean, you know, if you run into a convention and there's, you know, six players and two more show up and there aren't characters, you can create characters on the fly relatively simply, and the character you want, too. <coughs> Most definitely. You, know, you don't have to worry about, oh, I need five different books to create you know, just the, what, the right character I want. I mean, it's uh, you know, within the, the, the edges and hindrances and skills that are in the book. Um, and then knowing that the way you get the finer details is with trappings, um, it's really easy to create characters. And, uh, and, and I'm glad you said that with trappings. This is another thing that you hear people want to say that is bad about Savage Worlds is that every character is the same. That's crap. It's how you create your character and how you play your character. What edges do you take? What hindrances do you take? If you don't want to be the same, spend a little bit of time and think about edges and hindrances. Think about how can I make this character using edges and hindrances that not every other player playing a fighter is going to use. Oh, yeah. I mean, even just imagination like... with your characters, and they won't be the same. Yeah, the dice, the dice mechanics the same. I mean, there's some sameness... But I don't think your characters have to feel samey. Oh, no. I mean, you can swap out one combat edge and totally change how a any character, even if you're just going for, like, a basic fighter. I mean, you know, sweep versus first strike. Those would be two very different characters in how they're played, what they accomplish during the games, whether you're, you know, the first strike where you get close but not, you know, run up in the middle and let them come to you versus a sweep where... You, you want to go in and get in the middle of everybody and take out as many people as possible. Um, just switching those two little edges is enough to create characters that play very differently. And I think Savage Worlds character creation has spoiled me because a couple weeks ago, maybe a month, uh, my Saturday night group, we, we kind of rotate GMs and what the GMs want to run. And so one of the GMs wanted to run Shadowrun. Haven't never played Shadowrun. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll be part of the Shadowrun group. We have enough people that we, we split into two different groups. And, oh my god, character creation drove me crazy. Yeah. Even 5e character creation kind of drives me crazy. And I like 5e. I think 5e is a good game and it's a lot of fun. But after you've created characters for Savage Worlds, in my opinion, other character creation is just drudgery sometimes. Yeah, well, and it's like, I, I, you know, I've noticed this when, it's, when we're playing a different system. Savage Worlds, it's show up on Friday or Saturday at my house or at the library or at, you know, wherever we're playing, the game store. We are going to make characters and start the campaign. Same night. You know, make characters for 45 minutes because you're also talking and bullshitting. Yeah, have a session zero. Yeah. yeah, but you also get to play that night, whereas in other settings, I, I can't remember the last time where we got together, made GURPS characters or made um, you know, other system setting characters the same day as anyone was prepared to run the first yeah, adventure. Yeah, I mean, that happened, that happened in Shadow. I'm not saying Shadow runs bad. I haven't, we've only played one session. We didn't get very much done, but our character creation session, that was it. 
And I created my character a little too quickly because I was like, oh, just get this thing done and created. Yeah. And so I missed some things. And one of the guys in our group took like four hours and I was just like pulling my hair out going, will you please finish this so we can at least start the game or do some kind of demo combat because none of us have ever played. And it just drug on and on and on. And I'm not, I'm not meaning to crap on other systems because I play other systems. This is the the whole point of this is just because of character creation, how easy it is. Other systems just drive me nuts. Yeah, the uh, friend Brian and I were playing in a Rise of the Rune Lord campaign uh, for Pathfinder, and the uh, and we had done the session zero where no one got to play. We made our characters, and then the the problem we faced is we're we're building up tension as we're getting you know advancing in this this great plot point campaign, and when we'd have a new person show up, the time they showed up more than half of our a lot of time, or in some cases all of the a lot of time was them rolling up their character. And so it just got to the point where like the, the GM's like, listen, people will try to, you know, make characters, um, you know, in between games. But it was an open game at a game store. And so right. someone showed up. So and it's then, difficult. Yeah, so we, really difficult. Yeah, we, we can't always make sure that stuff gets done before time. And you don't want to turn people away. But it's kind of like, yeah, six of us showed up and right. a new seventh guy. And you want to like the new person. Like the new girl shows up and like, yay, female gamer. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. None of us are going to get to play today and so you know it's just it's just frustrating in savage worlds doesn't have that problem and uh off the top of my head i thought a two new or two or one more on why savage worlds is fast um these special rules like interludes chases those dramatic tasks yeah dramatic tasks those bring you out of regular combat and they're not they're not drudgery so i mean i don't know if i'd want to run a chase with a ton of crunch in two second rounds or whatever, where every little person has right. to go, it would just get, it would lose the momentum of a chase. Whereas I like this slim down essence of, of a chase rules. Um, dramatic tasks. I like the fact that, you know, in your head and, and the characters, you're working together, you're accomplishing something and you don't have to do all the little minutia, which doesn't necessarily add to the fun of diffusing the bomb or, or whatever. And then like interludes, I think it's great where it's an excuse to take a little bit of time, have everyone talk about their characters, um, that by condensing some of that character building uh, into a little solo speech, um, helps uh, one the relationships during the game because you you know you know more about your characters you can interact with them in characters you can plan things with them uh, but it also makes sure that you, you you get your spotlights out there and the GM doesn't have to you know get people to do that extemporaneously on the fly during rounds if it makes sense for them to do that then you know by having the interlude um, you kind of get it all in one place you, you people are prepared for it so I think that actually does speed up the game and another one that I just thought of that they just came out with with Weird Wars Run narrative combat. Yes, very cool. I want to. Do if you some really of that. want to just narrate a combat that is not, you don't need to play out the entire combat. It's ancillary for some reason. But you still want the randomness and right. the, the things you can from, use the well narrative with. combat and. There's been rumors that this might be something they're going to add to base Savage Rules. Awesome. Savage Worlds. Savage Rules. Savage Rules. Savage Rules! I know. Oh, Savage Worlds. Yeah, no, I, I know what game we're talking about. Holy crap. So, what makes this game furious? 
Exploding dice, mother rollers. That's right. No explicit tag for us, damn it. That stuff is awesome. And, and they do explode. I know Shane wants to call it acing. And I know acing comes with the cards and stuff. Here in the Rocky Mountain, the dice explode. Yes, they do. Period. End of story. Um, it's fun. Exploding dice add to the furiousness of the game because, you know, and not that they have to actually, like, you know, detonate on the table. That might be fun to do. I have all these really bad ideas every once in a while. But the... Um, I, I think that the they make it furious because when you have exploding dice, you can one-shot the big bad. And that is right. fun. The novice character can can make these wonderful things happen. You can make the black dragon commit suicide because you puppet him and he rolls really, really crappy on the opposed roll to ward off your puppet. I had a player do that when we first started Savage Worlds. They were, uh, I, I think, seasoned whatever puppet was. They weren't first level. They were first-time players. But we were in an ongoing D&D game that I transferred over to Savage Worlds. We were playing uh, Age of Worms. And, yeah, one of the players puppeted a black dragon. The black dragon did such a crappy job. And it even says in the puppet skill that you can have, make someone commit suicide. And he looked at the dragon and said kill yourself and the dragon off 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 to themselves and oh i was like dad i'm new to savage world so i'm like holy crap what just happened now what do i do yeah and how many other systems do you have a story like that we still talk about it yeah, my group still, still talks about it and yeah, if you're a first level character almost the only time you get those awesome awesome stories is when bad things happen to you not awesome things you get to do no no really in, in that in that uh in that other d20 game it's really exciting i killed me a Cobalt today. Yeah, exactly. Even when you get crits, which are rare. I mean, you know, acing is exploding dice are more popular than most crits in other systems. Oh, yeah. And uh, the whole, this is the most soul crushing words to me in the role playing lexicon. Roll to confirm the crit. Like, what? Oh, yeah. I got the 5% roll and now I got to roll again. That's and a bunch of crap. Can go away. Like, yeah. Yeah. eat a cobalt. Yeah. You didn't Jesus. really crit. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, Man, that's crap. Who thought of that that mechanic? So that sucks. And you know, you mentioned this before that you know why it's fast is everybody has the three hit points basically, and that makes it furious. I mean, you can have a mook kill your character with full health in one round, as opposed to like the attrition systems where that's never going to happen. And you can be legendary, legendary, and this mook who is a mook, if the cosmos. Align properly, that little mook can kill your legendary character. Some people will be like, oh, wow, how's that? How's that fun? How's that fear? How's that cool at all? It's cool. It is. I'm sorry. It's. It's a dangerous game. It's yeah. it's savage, people. It's it's a savage world out there. It's dangerous. It should be dangerous. I don't have the, I hit you, you hit me. I hit you, you hit me. I miss, you hit me. On and on and on and on for four hours. And then when you finish one combat. Yeah, the, you don't uh, have that crap. I, I've often said that like no one remembers a perfect wedding. If everything goes right and the music's perfect and the dress is perfect and the bride's beautiful and the groom's handsome or the brides are beautiful and the husbands are handsome, whatever it is, the uh, no one remembers that. That's boring. When you have the bride's dress catches on fire while it's going down the aisle, the priest is drunk. You know that the, the the two of the bridesmaids are making out in the bathroom. 
Those are the weddings. Story time. Everybody remembers. Yes, story time. I used to DJ. I was a wedding DJ. <laughs> so I get to this wedding. I'm there hours early. I'm setting up, get everything all set up at the reception, and we're in dinner. So we're in the slow dinner music. Bridesmaid comes up to me and says, we're going to kidnap the bride. I don't know if you've heard this. What they'll do is they'll kidnap the bride, take her away for 45 minutes, and everybody has to give the groom money as a ransom to bring her back. You know, money for the honeymoon. It's, it's like the dollar dance at a wedding. So we're sitting there. Hour later, there's no bride. Two hours later, there's no bride. She didn't come back to the reception. They finally came up to me at one point. I hadn't even, it, it was all dinner music. They finally came up to me and I think it was the, the groom's mother. She goes, you can, oh. I tore oh. my stuff down and left. Ooh. No tip, like it's my fault. Yeah, of course. No tip, the most god-awful thing ever. The other one, sorry, wedding stories. Thank you for bringing yes, the wedding stories up. So, so I'm DJing a wedding um, uh, of a um, Mexican family. And the day of the wedding, the patriarch of the family passed away. Oh, no. So this wedding turn, wedding reception turned into a wedding reception slash wake. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. See, we, were, we remember those. Yeah. I remember those. I don't remember all the good weddings that everything went great and I got a good tip. I remember those where things went horribly wrong and I'm scarred. You can, people, can you tell I'm scarred by these? I don't DJ anymore. It made for some great wedding photos. I mean, you've got, you know, the. Uh, the ice table with the oysters and the shrimp and grandpa laid out on it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is just wrong. All right, let's move on to robust combat edges. <laughs> so another reason Savage Worlds is furious is that um, it shows its roots as a miniature combat game by having a lot of fun ways to spice up your combat. I'm sorry, you just lost me for a minute. <laughs> you know, we're going to we're have to change the pad on that chair, I think. Yeah, over the, there with... the, the, the picture going through my brain right now is just not right. Abuelo Gonzalez is <laughs> out of the... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll come to the buffet table and say your goodbyes and get your dinner. <laughs> Uh, this, this might be a setting. I don't know. We might oh work this in. Good game. lord! So, what when you're talking about combat, robust combat edges? What kind of combat edges are you thinking? You thinking sweep? Oh yeah, sweep um, and first strike are famous. Yeah, they're, first they're strike, awesome. uh, nerves of steel, Florentine. Yeah, all those types of dual fisted. I mean, there, there's lots of ways of making combat unique to your character, interesting. Um, do interesting, fun, situational damage. Um, some of the combat. I, just, I, I see people shy away from, but they can actually be awesome. Um, and here's one I've seen where there are some combat edges like where you, you have to have the Joker, but you can do double your damage that round. Yeah, but I'm not going to use that because the Joker, they never come out. Yeah, well, it's like, listen, people, the when you've got a lot of people at the table, those cars, you're, you're cycling the deck fast. And you can always, in combat, in the combats where you get most of your cards, remember, when you get a great card, you can hold your action. And so if this round isn't the perfect round for you, you get your Joker, it's not the right round for your double damage, you can hold it for the next round. And you still get the Joker. And then you kill everything. Because doubling damage in this system where, I mean, again, remember, you know, unlike attrition where doubling means you get to take down the guy twice as fast, doubling very often means you hit that toughness threshold and then 4, 8, 12, over, you know, ding, yeah. ding, ding. 
more wounds, more wounds. And and that, the Joker, what is, I, what is the Joker one that doubles damage? I don't remember what it's called, but I know which one you're talking yeah. about. You know, and, and First Strike, you mentioned First Strike. That's a biggie. I, as a GM, freaking hate First Strike because inevitably I'll forget who has what because I've got too much going on. I can't remember who's got what edge and what hindrance. But inevitably I get those players who I'm like, and and uh, you know, the, this uh, extra, he runs up at you and he's, he's bellowing and he's got his sword. First Strike. Oh, that's me. That's me at the table. Oh, I hate you. Take your first strike. I kill him. No, damn you. Exactly. But it's awesome. Yeah, and so that's the thing is there there are there are plenty of them, and then a lot of the setting specific ones you know focus on combat. So yep. robust combat edges is a reason that this game is furious. The um, the next one is anything can happen. The 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 fact that in the basic mechanics you can try almost any type of maneuver or skill without being trained in it, you can still attempt and you can still get a success. I mean, this is some games close those things off to you. So, you know, if you don't have the lock picking skill, you can never pick a lock. Whereas in Savage Worlds, you can play it where your character has a bobby pin and a door lock or a credit card and slim, you know, trying to slim it in the door and give it a try. Yeah. And D4 minus two. And the GM might give you a little bit more of a penalty, maybe a D4 minus four, which it's big, but you can try it. Yeah. You can do it. And along those lines, if anything can happen, is also you can do more than one action. Um, a lot of other games, it's do an action and move, or move and do an action. I love Savage Worlds for the fact that you can do multiple actions. You you have to announce it up front because you take a multi-action penalty, but you can move at any point. You can split your movement. Splitting movement is one of the things that by itself. I hated in third and fourth edition is that it was move, take an action, take an action, or move. You couldn't split your move. Now, 5e, you can split your move. 5e has some Savage World Z things in it, but you can split your move. And that's one of the hugest things in Savage Worlds for me that that I also love. And it makes it more strategic. It gets players thinking with strategy and tactics. And it's vitally important when guns are involved. Oh, yes. Because I take cover. I lean out. I take my shot. I take cover. If you're playing a Savage Worlds game, another furious thing, and you are not using cover when guns come out, <laughs> you are doing it wrong. Do you want to die? You're going to get shot and you're going to die. It's yeah. going to happen. Use cover. Jib, uh, who's on Happy Jack's RPG podcast and also the Savage uh, World's GM Hangout. He plays our awesome intro music. He plays our intro music. Thank you, Jib. We were playing a uh, ETU game. And we're in uh, the pizza barn in Pine Box, Texas, and a fight starts out. And some freaking dumb extra pulls a gun. Jib's first action on his card, the first words out of his mouth were, I dive for cover. That's the first thing he did is he got into cover. It's it, anything can happen. Jib Jib's people are not going to die today. That's right. Um, and you mentioned already setting rules. Setting rules, what a great idea and a great thing to give your game the feel you want. I want to have gritty damage. I don't want people to go to soul wounds. That's vicious. Oh, yeah, and that makes horror games uh, horror games. Heroes never die. 
You never die. You get incapacitated. Yeah, you're gonna be you're a, not going to die. The BF hero. More heroic. More Indiana Jones pull. Um, one setting rule, and I put it in here, uh, is, I don't know if I put it in here, but Joker's Wild. Oh, yeah. That's a setting rule that's basically, for me now, a court rule. I don't even know anyone who doesn't use that. I, Joker's it's Wild. so common here. Joker's in combat. Everybody gets a Benny. The only game I don't use it in is I don't use it in Deadlands. Because yeah. Deadlands has fake chips. They're a little bit different. They're a... Uh, the quantity of them is set um, in Deadlands. I guess you could add more if you wanted to, but when I run it with six people and you only have 25 fate ships, I've got six people who are, have two or three, so I don't have a lot. Yeah. So I don't do that in that. But that's another big setting rule. So what, what other setting rules can you think of off the top of your head? Well, and I just have the ability to customize them for your different setting. The, um, for instance, like here's one I use, and I might be a Monty Hall GM for this, but I give every player the con game Elon. Don't put it on the sheet. Just tell everybody, like, you know, we're playing the con game. You know, um, everyone has a line. So when you spend your bennies, get a plus two. And in general, the reason I do that is because we get a lot of new players at con games. And I want them to have a good time, to have those successes, and to not feel bad about spending bennies. And one of the ways to get them to spend the bennies is tell them there is a bonus every time they do. It's a good idea. And I I never thought about that. That's that's a good idea for con games. Yeah. Up the difficulty level, level, so I'm not have, I'm not getting steamrolled. I don't want to be right. a success train, but I like it where to me when the player is going to spend the benny, I want them spending the benny to do something important, and getting that bonus helps them achieve that important thing. And I don't think Elon is as broken as some people claim because you have to fail first. You know, you're spending the benny, which implies you have a failure. You're spending the benny to reroll, um, and so. That, that I like. It's a good that, point because you do hear that all the time. You hear that all, uh, Elon doesn't work. Elon's too powerful. But yeah, I, get, I never thought about it that way. But yeah, and you know, this is a totally off the topic. It is not 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 Savage Worlds as written. But I think I was talking to a friend, Brian, and he's coming up with his own setting, and we were throwing around the idea, and it was his idea, and I like it. And it kind of comes from GURPS, where you know, there's uh, advantages and disadvantages, edges and hindrances. They're pretty much directly related. Right. In GURPS, there are some bigger advantages. And bigger disadvantages, and then there's they will both have like quirks. Well, Savage Worlds, I think one of the criticisms against it is that all edges cost the same. I thought it might be interesting, and maybe not. Maybe adding more crunch is not a thing that would ever work in Savage Worlds, but it might be interesting to have some edges be worth half an edge. So you could have two halves to make up one edge. So there, there are some edges that I don't think are, are worth the same as other edges, and it might be it might be interesting to have one little tiny more step of, of uh, granularity. granularity there, whereas Elon might be a three-point edge or a two-point edge, whereas you know, plenty of other ones are just one point. Yeah. Is a one point. Yeah, exactly. Um, or the situational ones might be one. Um, things like that. So that's just an idea we have, we're kind of throwing around. Um, and it, it is acknowledging that some of the edges, depending on what your, your setting is, are much more valuable. I mean, if you are combat heavy, um, first strike is free attacks a lot. Um, so anyways, I, I think that that's kind of one of those... Um, uh, I just an idea to throw out there. Uh, might make the game a little more crunchy. We'll see. But the um, going back to why the game is furious. 
and the the mechanic that's going to show up in all three, Benny. Um, when you use Bennies for raises, so you know if you, if you get a simple success, you're like, I'm not satisfied with just a success. I want a raise. Using a Benny to get a raise to do something cool or to do another action um, that allows you to either get additional damage or whatever, um, I think that's part of the reason that Savage Rolls is furious because if you go for the raise and you get that extra D6 of damage, you kind of go back to that either the exploding dice or whatever. You've created a larger dice pool for killing or succeeding and so yeah you could the fact that you can use bennies to make your successes bigger not just you know success or failure but a bigger success i think is another reason um that makes savage worlds furious so the next one you you put uh, was jokers make for regular surges. What, what what did you mean by that? And I added something to it that I'll talk about in a minute. But but when you say that, what 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 do you mean by so that? not not only for like the few characters who might get the Joker and have the edge where you know they can do double damage, but the fact that when you get a Joker and since you're reshuffling after the Joker's come out, they they come up rather often if you're if you've got enough players at the table, you're getting a character who's got a plus two, which in Savage World oh, gotcha. is a That's huge what you mean by the surge. advantage okay. for that round. So either they're going to be doing... Yeah, plus two to everything. 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 So that you can do another action for basically no penalty and still get more damage on both of the actions. Um, that that plus two is, I think, a game changer. It changes that That's round. Huge. And because they come out regularly and they're random in the sense that they're not expected, that makes it furious. You, 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 can, get a, you can get a position where Heck, even if you're just trying to go for non-lethal damage, that plus two might make your attack a raise, and the plus two on the damage might put you one more set of four above their toughness. And so suddenly you go from missing uh, or hitting and, and not causing a wound to hitting and causing a wound, or hitting and causing one extra wound, which puts them incapacitated. Right. Or takes Cause out those fatigue. Yeah. Cause so, that extra fatigue. You know, jokers can, they're kind of like a little shot of a Adrenaline into that round. Yeah, and, and so that's that's that brings you that kind of brings up my point is why it's here. So players get excited when jokers come out. Especially when you're using Joker's Wild. I don't think I've ever once had a Joker hit the table without one or two players going, Joker! Oh, give yeah. me Benny's. Yes. And I do yes. that as a, I do that as a player all the time. Hell, I do it as a GM when I give a Joker to someone, you know, and, and maybe I do it to, to get them a little pumped up, but it does. It pumps them up. The players love seeing those Jokers. Yeah. And consider what you've done when you've got the Joker's Wild rule and it comes up. You've not only given that one player or multiple players. Sometimes you get two jokers in a round and that's just fun. Um, I love that. That's always, you know, and then they start plotting on who wants it first. But the when you've got the multiple jokers or a joker in a round and you do jokers wild so everyone gets a Benny, you've given that one player the adrenaline surge for that round and then you've given every other player one more opportunity to correct a failure, go for a raise, you know, survive a hit. That, that changes the complexity of the game. It does. Big time. And that makes it fun and it makes it furious it's it's uh that's i think that's probably the best one on why it's furious is that the there's chances for things to go more than just the mundane exploding dice jokers edges that are situational those kind of things change the flavor and the way the game plays from textbook mundane rote whatever you want to call routine 
into something a little more unexpected, a little bit bigger, a little more flashy or important or dangerous, uh, all those kind of things. Yeah. So we've talked about a lot of, of different things. And a lot of these things that we've already talked about are reasons that make Savage Worlds fun. It's just a fun system. So we already talked about Bennies. Bennies make the game fun. And and for for in the category of funs, we had Bennies for Furious, Bennies for Fast, just for fun. Um, you know, because it's not fast, not furious in this this capacity, but it is wonderful. Is Bennies are a mechanic which in give players player agency. No, no, you said the dreaded words. Love it. Player agency. That's a big thing. I mean, that player agency is when you give storytelling control, uh, power to the players to mold the world, mold the combat, mold the situation in their own creative way. And because they can use their bennies, uh, again, players, you, you can always take a failure. You don't have to spend the bennies. There's no setting rules that say you have the 12 bennies on your hand and you fail the attack roll, you have to use them. You, If you want to have your character fail there, you can ride with it. Right, and failure can be fun. Oh, always. You know, often. the fun in that also could be, and I, I've done it, I've taken this from Jared Gunning, who is on the Wednesday GM Hangout. Uh, he's actually the guy who started the whole thing. He kind of does like a, a fate type uh, mechanic where he will offer you one of his GM bennies to fail. Oh, nice. And that failure is going it, to, it's, it's going to be a failure. And Jared doesn't sugarcoat his failures. It's going to be a failure. But if you're willing to take that failure, he'll give you one of his bennies. And that's a big swing. It's not just a Benny extra for you, because GMs can give out as many Bennies as they want. If he's giving you a GM Benny, that's a Benny he it's can't spend. Yeah. And you know, I also fun. People may think that this that that I'm looking at this backwards, but Benny's and fun. I limit players to only having five bennies at any one time because I want them to be using those bennies for cool stuff, not just for extra hit points. I want them to use those bennies to try that cool stuff, to try to get that raise to do that damage. To try to say, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this maneuver, and I'm gonna jump off the balcony, and I'm gonna swing on the chandelier, and then I'm gonna, as I'm swinging, I'm gonna swing off, and I'm gonna kick this guy right in the face. Ooh, I, I, I rolled, and I got a. Th- I'm gonna spend a Benny. I roll, I get a six. I roll that d6 again. I get a twelve. I roll that again. I've just gotten three raises. Raises are fun. Oh, yes. Raises are a wonderful aspect of the game. And, I mean, there's so much fun that I, I don't know a player who actually ever stops rolling after one raise. I mean, you don't need to, people. I mean, yeah, one raise is enough raises, for most of the Yeah, when you're hitting, you only get an extra D6 from one raise. But that people love to keep rolling. Oh, yeah. They love it. And, like, save your juju for the damage roll. Nope. Right. Don't slow things These down. Dices are rolling. Fast, fast, furious, fun. But it's cool to keep rolling. It is cool. And, and, and that's the thing. So, and even when people take a little extra time to just see how many raises on the hit. And I like, I like telling people, narrate that. I mean, what does 42 on the two hit roll look like? And, yeah. you know, I, 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 even if it's a little premature because you haven't rolled damage yet, um, you know, if they, if they get those raises and they do a really good description, I might let them re-roll damage if the damage doesn't, doesn't live up to Or, 
You kill the guy. Don't roll damage. Oh, yeah. Skip damage. Yeah. Skip damage. You got all those raises. You narrated the, the shit out of it. Done. Done. Kill the guy. Fast. Very yeah. yeah. is fun. Exactly. Kill the guy off. Uh, we talked about exploding dice. Uh, dice that can ace. There you go, Shane, for you. Um, yeah. It's just fun to on damage oh, yeah. to roll that you know I, I'm rolling 2d6 for my for my my you know block shot boom oh I rolled I rolled 12 I get to roll both of them again oh I rolled another six oh I get to roll that six again and on damage that's pretty that you know that that's that's awesome to, to get that extra that extra damage over their toughness. Yeah, and I'd even add one in here about the fact that Savage Worlds uses the traditional fantasy dice sets. Um, you know, other games use only one type of die or more limited types of die. I've, I've noticed that people love collecting dozens of different colored styles, sizes, patterns of the fantasy dice. And when you only have like D6s or whatever, um, you know, you can get some cool ones that have a, a funny phrase or a picture on the one or the six. Um, and those are great for Savage Worlds. I mean, we love putting those up for the club. I mean, everyone, everybody, the first, we have t-shirts. We've got laser cut bennies. The first thing people want, what's the new die? Yeah, give me the new die. Yeah, give me the new die. I, 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 I didn't get my dice from the last con. I need my dice. Yes. Give me, yeah. give me, give me my dice. You know, I mean, it's the point where they're, they're not even polite about it. It's like they need, you know, it needs to be in my dice bag. Um, but it's fun. I mean, people like having the cool platonic shaped dice and, you know, Whatever the mystery, the mystique is around it, not going to question it. People love it. They like it. Yeah. Yep. All right. This is one I added. So many games to choose from. So many settings. Sometimes I feel like there's too many because there's so many that I want to play. I know. I love the fact there's so much out there. Sometimes there's so much out there that you're just like, oh, my God. I just... I couldn't play all of these if I had a lifetime. Oh, yeah, I know. And then that's, it is kind of a wonderful thing. I mean, everyone looks at the word like generic or universal, which make up the first two GURPS, as these like boring words, awful words. It's like, no, no, you don't understand. It's like learning a new language that opens up an entire new continent or globe for you. It's not, it's not boring. It's not mundane. It's not the same. I mean, when you can go from playing Miami, Miami Vice to um, Lord of the Rings to Game of Thrones to James Bond to James Bond to the Golden Girls to Puppy Parade to whatever I mean we do yes there's just it is so different they are so unique the fact that the mechanics work well and you can splice stuff together you can have systems like Rifts or other Blender multi-genre games where at the same effing table you can have characters from different time periods or genres or abilities uh, that that to me is like literally the spice of life in the game oh yeah most definitely and I think our, our final one that's on our sheet uh, that that I love is theming your games with cards and bennies. Oh yeah, you can that throw is so them. much fun. It's like throwing a party and making it look like a party. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason people like decorations. They like the icing on the cake, even if they don't eat it. Is that you're setting the mood.
mood, you're setting the expectation that we're here to have a good time, and any little thing you can do to draw the players into the mood, into letting go of their inhibitions, letting go of, you know, the, the knowledge that we're having this artificial game, you know, the suspension of disbelief, the fact that you can match character sheets, bennies, uh, dice, terrain, you know, music, all of it was a theme. It, it, it makes it an immersive thing. And yeah, the king of theming, Carl Kiesler. And we're having him come. Yeah, he is the king of theming. So let me ask you, what is your favorite Benny card theme that you've done? Ooh, um, I Joe Thomas got me a bunch of um, 45 casings for my pulp games. And I mean, that's one that's been done before, but I love it. It is just so much fun to pull out. It's the, the way they clink, the sound they make when you put them on the table and it's like clink, 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 clink. It's the same sound they use on the Foley audio tracks when you've got the guy with the machine guns and they're clicking. I mean, that, that little audio clue as people, you know, throw them back at me and they clank. It's just so much fun. I mean, that's what I like because there's a visual component. There's a little bit of a danger component. Not, not everybody owns guns or has guns. So having a bullet at the table kind of raises the, the, the hair onto people's necks and that, that, that makes it fun. Um, the sound, the audio one, I, I, I like that. that. That one is the one that comes off the top of my head. And it's, it's not the most original, but I love it. It's, it's fun. So my favorite, I ran Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park uh, based off of a game that, that Jared Gunning, uh, Savage Daddy, ran for us uh, on a Savage Saturday night. Uh, he ran it on uh, Roll20, which was a lot of fun. I ran it at a convention live. I bought two decks of Kiss playing cards and Kiss guitar picks for my bands. Nice. That's Loved awesome. it. I had Kiss music playing in the background. Uh, during one of the big fights, I had Detroit Rock City going. Nice. I wish my players would have been a little more into Kiss and a, knew a little bit more. Because uh, 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 it was uh, it was great theming. Let's say that. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, no, and it's fun. Like the one of the ones I liked that that uh, we've done as a group is um, we, we wanted to run and have on hand a, a, a pulp, uh, kind of like Indiana Jones style pulp miniatures. And there's a great couple of games called The Adventurers. I think it's like Adventurers, The Temple of Shock, and then the Tomb of Horus. And so we picked up their board games, and they're really fun board games. But they, they uh, Fantasy Flight sells the miniatures painted individually outside of the board game. And so we picked up both sets of those miniatures and um, I went to the artist's website and he has his full-size character art for each of those miniatures. So they're the, you know, plop the character art down, made my character sheets with that picture there. So we've got the miniatures match the photo on the character sheet. They're awesome character design. They're already painted. The artists have already done the work. And as long as I'm not selling these things, I'm pretty sure I'm okay with fair use. Um, if not, whatever, come at me, bro. And uh, but it's fun to have the the the, the 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 miniatures match the character art on the sheets, and they're good looking and they're fun. Oh yeah, you did a great up. job on those. We yeah. used those at Denver Comic Con last year, and, and people, people thought, "Wow, my character sheet matches my mini." Yeah, it, it was. And, yeah, it was. It was awesome. You know, and, and just even like the terrain and stuff like that. Like the Arcal told me where he got in one of his games. I played. It was a 
yeah, it was like a Victorian and probably Kerberos Club. Uh, but one of the ones where um, the, the, the deity we were going against was like, you know, infiltrating the the antiquity society in London. And so they had this, we were in like the London Museum and there was a, an Egyptian tomb and he had this great little piece of terrain. And I asked him, like, oh, where'd you get that? I need this. This is, I, I, I love running. I want to run Egyptian games. And he's like, oh, it's a piece of aquarium terrain from Walmart. And so, of course, I go run out to Walmart, buy two of them. And that started this entire, like, Egyptian terrain building kick where I repainted that piece because it had, like, green and orange on it for the the, the, the aquarium. But so I repainted that. And I'm like, well, if I've got the facade for a tomb, well, gosh, I need a tomb. And then I need a temple complex. And so I just went buck wild going to, like, Hobby Lobby and getting there. I don't know. Okay, some of these pieces at Hobby Lobby, they're, like, these resin cast home decor things. And, okay, I've been to Egypt. It was a wonderful trip of a lifetime. I love reading about it. I took Middle Egyptian in college so I could translate hieroglyphics. Like, I'm an Egyptophile nerd, but nerd. I don't know how anyone would actually really want to go into Hobby Lobby and be like, oh, honey, let's decorate our living room. Let's go find some stuff. Oh, look at this. Here's a, a foot and a half tall bust of Nefertiti made out of resin and cheap gold paint. This would really tie the room together but for me with a 40% off coupon that is gaming gold I mean yeah when we when we set it up at Denver Comic Con people came over and just wanted to look at this stuff yeah. and I'm like if, yeah. if they walked into Hobby Lobby they would not give that a second look nope. they would walk right by it nope. but when you take it out of context and you've got these gilded gold you know Ramsey tomb and then Pharaoh head and yeah, I've got this like little temple set up which I made from overturned dollar store coolers with a little oh, bit of yeah. Yeah, the, the, the styrene coolers. Yeah, the styrene coolers. I turned those into some like pylon temples. And the, the people just came over and they're like, they'd never role played before. And they're like, this looks like fun. Can I sit down and play? And it's like, yes, 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 yes. That yeah. was my little like, the, the, the. To pull them in. The, my, I've got a cousin who does fly fishing and he, um, he uses like nail polish and little flecks of metal to make his lures. And so we, you know, we joke about, you know, having, you know, buying him nail polish. Uh, but the little bit of nail polish and something shiny is enough to lure people into your game. And Savage Worlds so. doesn't need it, but it because it's got the a robust miniatures game at heart, you can use fun terrain, and you can use it for as much as you want. You can use it just for, for decoration, or you can start doing stuff like elevation, lines of sight, cover. Um, so if you want to use those extra rules with your terrain, by all means, you can. If you don't want to, you don't need to. I mean, there's, there's no... It's a gradient between white and black on just how crunchy you want to yeah. make. Because I use mostly theater of the mind. Yeah. I don't use a lot of minis. Uh, I'm trying to get back to it, but I don't. I don't use a lot of minis. I just fast, fast, furious fun for me. Uh, theater of the mind. You know, I've got. A, there's a few struggles that I have not using minis. I have a bad memory and I have a bad time remembering. Okay, who's got how many enemies are on? Who is this guy with the sword on this guy? Is this guy with the pike on that guy? But, but I, I have posted that a few times saying, hey, how do people keep track of this if you use the other mind? And I got some good ideas. Oh, yeah. Like so, you use those Aaliyah tools. Oh, yeah. That's what I, I do use. I do use the Aaliyah tools. I give each person their, their own stack. 
Um, it's got shaken, three wounds, two uh, fatigued, an on hold, a wild attack, and a concealed. And they just put that on their character sheet. If yeah. they're if they're shaken, they just set it on their character sheet. So it's in front of them. I can see it in front of them. So I make them track it themselves. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to start making them, because this, this is an idea someone gave me, is I'm going to make them start tracking how many people are on them. And what enemies they're on and make them help me oh yeah and that's the great thing about savage worlds is like there are a lot of games like when i first started playing ad and d i was so i mean there was so much to worry about like thaco and all these extra rules that I, I figured out how to be a player and a player of like my one kind of character but it took so many more months and years to learn how the game actually worked right whereas savage worlds the game is as simple as it is to play, as, as it is to run. There's there's not this huge GM overhead burden. Right. And I think that's one of the other... I mean, there can be if, you, if you're a prepper. If you're a big, big prepper, there, there, there can be, but there doesn't have to be. Oh, sure. And, you, know, and you, you, you can do the terrain and all that stuff. But as far as like mechanics-wise... Right. right, mechanics, yeah. There's just not a lot extra that GM has to do behind what the players have to do. Right. Yeah, and most right. of those things are in tables that you can just leave on the yeah, table. Yeah, grapple is really easy to figure out. Yeah. And most of these things in Savage Worlds, you're going to use those mechanics enough that they're just going to become second nature to you. If they're not, make something up and look at it later. So I think we, I think we've pretty much covered the vast majority of what we think makes it fast, furious, and fun. Yeah. So if we miss anything, send it into us. Yeah, Let send us it into us. Go, go uh, out to G Plus or Facebook. Post on our G Plus and Facebook page. Send us an email at uproar at savagecast.com. Let us know what you think makes it fast, furious, and fun. Also, if you have ideas for show topics, we haven't, I, we haven't got a lot of, a lot of emails and a lot of feedback from folks. So we'd love your feedback. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Uh, if you've given us an email and we haven't talked about what you uh, asked about, send us another email. Let us know. We'll get that taken care of. Uh, you can find our show on iTunes. Go there. Uh, give us a review. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're also now, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that you fixed, you got us set up. We're on Google Play. Yeah, Google Play is just coming out with Big their thing, own yeah. platform. So we're, we're, there. we're there. You can find us. You can go to savagecast.com, download the show there. That's also where we're going to have links to the products that we talked about today that you can link to RPG Now and Drive Through RPG to help out the show a little bit. And I think that's it for episode five, what makes Savage Worlds fast, furious, and fun. Thanks for listening, and... Hail Savages! Hail! Thanks again. <laughs> <laughs>